Second Peter chapter one. You know, I was uh, working that night. Sometimes you get into a situation where we'll bark out and we have to use our use our flashlight. A good flashlight makes uh, a very big difference, especially Amen. in that kind of situation. The other uh, the other night, I was working on the machine and I did not have my flashlight, so uh, I resorted to what I did have, and that was my phone. When I went and I looked, I couldn't see anything, and I don't, well, I don't see anything, so I put my phone away and start the machine again. And about three minutes later, when that piece came back around, it did the same thing. And I said, well, this time I better get my, my light, my, my good light. And when sure enough, there it was. And, well, you know, I just need the right kind of light there. But as we uh, talk about lights, we want to look at Second Peter chapter 1. And we're actually going to be starting in verse 19. The Bible says, We have a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Here we're given the admiration that we have a more sure word of prophecy. That is the word of God. And as we think about this, he's making reference here to the verses just before that, when he was talking about how how Jesus was transfigured before them on the holy mount there, and they saw the glory of God, and they heard the voice in the in the cloud there. And yet, he says, we have a more sure word of prophecy than, than seeing Jesus transfigured and seeing, hearing the voice of God. He says, we have something that is more certain and is more sure. He tells us we have that more sure word of prophecy. Bible has told us, and as we read it uh, two Sundays ago, it says, The world passes away in the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abides forever. This world and all that's in here, it's all going to pass away. It's all fleeting. What was great a few days ago or a few years ago has been forgotten and has passed away. You know, one of the biggest sporting events, of course, is the Super Bowl. And boy, you it's hard to remember who has even won the Super Bowl for the last five years and how fleeting that is. And boy, you know, it's great at the time and everybody knows it then, but it's quickly replaced. But the Word of God is never going to be replaced. The Word of God is permanent, endureth from generation to generation. The Bible tells us in, in, uh, in Psalm 119, verse 60, it says, I made haste and delay not to keep thy commandments. The commandments that are enduring forever and ever. The Bible tells us in Psalm 119, verse 89, just a couple verses later there, it says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. It is forever there. It is not changing. It is there permanently. And in heaven, rust and moth doesn't corrupt. It's not going to get taken away. It's not going to get stolen. It's going to be there forever, forever, before it is settled in heaven. You know, when Peter, of course, he saw Jesus Christ transfigured and heard the voice of God there. But all that, after it was, after the voice and the cloud came through, 
Jesus was returned to his normal appearance. He had veiled his glory once again. And boy, when they came down from the mount, no one would have known except that the, uh, that they recorded it for us in scriptures. But the other the other nine disciples there and the multitude, they wouldn't have known. You know, and it would be real easy to say, oh, you know, if that was all we had, they would say, oh, someone made that up. Oh, that was just a figure of their imagination. Or perhaps, you know, the three disciples were hallucinating or something crazy like that. But, but here, we have something that's more certain, more sure. The more sure word of prophecy. The Bible tells us in Isaiah, chapter 40, verse 8, says, The grass withereth and the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. The Bible is going to stand forever. It's going to last. It's going to endure. You know, we have this more sure word of prophecy. It goes on to say in 2 Peter, verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 19, it says, Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. And as I thought about that, I thought about you know, working on the machine. Boy, you know, I had I had that little light on my phone, which, you know, maybe if I'm looking at it, it might seem bright, but boy, when I turn it around and I shine it where I need to see it, and then I take my other flashlight, I can, boy, you know, there's just a certain difference there. One, it's, it's there, but it's vague. It, yeah, it's lighting things up, but it's not really bright. It's not, still not very clear. And then I take my other flashlight and I can really hone in on it and get it real clear. You can see it from a long ways away. And I say, boy, you know, that is really clear. And that's almost like the comparison that he's making here. He says, hey, you know, I had, I saw Jesus Christ transfigured and I heard the voice and I knew I could see the light there, but compared to the other light, compared to the scriptures that we have, it, it, it's, the scriptures are so much over powering and so much more brighter and clearer. We have a more sure word of prophecy. It says, ye un, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed to. Well, I took heed to the first light. I couldn't see anything. But when that second light came on, it was clear what needed to be done. It was clear where the problem was on that machine. We need to take heed to the word of God. The Bible tells us in James chapter 1, verse 22 says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, be not being a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this man shall be blessed with his deeds. We need to take heed to the word of God. We need to pay attention to it and to do it. Of course, we sing the, the old the song, you know, the wise man built his house upon the rock. And the foolish man, well, he built it on the sand. What is, what is that all about? Well, when we go back and we read the scriptures in Matthew, the wise man is the one who hears the word of God and does it. The foolish man who built his house on the water on the sand was the man who heard the word of God but didn't do it. 
Bible tells us that we'd be wise, not just to hear it, but to be, be a doer also thereof, to be taking heed unto it. You know, it would be awfully foolish for someone to come into a dark room with a, a good flashlight and say, okay, there's a chair there, a table there. Now, I don't really think, maybe, maybe my eyes are see, maybe the lights, maybe I'm not seeing it incorrectly, and they don't take heed to what they see. They don't do something about what they see. Just as we read in James, the foolish man who hears the word of God and doesn't take heed to it, he looks at himself in the mirror and goes, oh man, I look awful. Of course, I mean, I don't want to see that. All right, I'm just going to go, keep going, going my way. As long as I don't see, you know, it will be okay. No. We would say that, that's, that's crazy. That's foolishness. But that's what we do when we don't obey the Word of God. When we don't apply the Word of God to our lives. Then we're just like that, that one who says, oh man, I look awful. I don't want to see it. But that's what we do when the Holy Spirit says, hey, there's sin in your life. Hey, you need to get this right. Oh, I really know I do. Lord, I'm sorry. But we don't change. And we don't do something about what the Lord is showing to us. Just like the foolish man. The Bible tells us there in, in Luke, in Luke chapter 6, in verse 47, it says, Whosoever comes to me and heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will show you to whom I will like. And he is like unto a man which built his house, and digged it deep, and laid a foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, and the streams beat vehemently upon the house, it could not take it, for it was founded upon the rock. But he that heareth, and doeth not, is like a man without a foundation, built in house, upon the earth, against which the streams did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. It was great. Why? Because he didn't have the foundation. He didn't decide. He decided he could say, oh, you know, I don't really need to plant it firmly. I don't really need to, to do this. Or when I was growing up, some of us who are older would remember the 1994 earthquake in Northridge, California. Which to me is very personal because I grew up very close to, to Northridge. And I remember the next day, we thankfully our house didn't suffer terrible damage, so we got, a, got in the car and we drove around to kind of survey the area. And you could see the damage. You could see where the house is that didn't have a firm foundation. You could see where half the house fell down. We could go to the epicenter there in Northridge, just a, a few miles from where I, where I grew up. And I remember seeing the Northridge Mall there in, I believe it was a big Macy store, and it had three floors. Well, after the earthquake, you could look right through it. The whole center had, had collapsed, the floors had fallen. Why? Well, there was a problem with the foundation. It wasn't really designed to withstand that kind of earthquake. It is very important to have a good foundation. And the foundation that we have is the Word of God. It is a more sure word of prophecy. 
whereunto ye do well that ye take that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Working at night, the day dawning is a great thing for me because that means, hey, I'm about to go home. I'm about to, to, to leave and I don't have to be here anymore. Even even this morning, I remember I was I was going into the office and I looked out the window and it was the end of the day and I could start to see the light come out. I said, all right, it's dawn. It's time to go home. Till the day dawns and the day star arise in your hearts. And I thought about that. It's like, you know, here, Jesus Christ, he calls himself the light of the world. Jesus said in John chapter 8, he said, then spake Jesus again to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. He's the light of the world, but he's lighting, he's showing the way. And when we walk in him, we're not going to walk in darkness. We're not going to be in the night. We're not going to be having difficulty seeing. We need to take heed until the day dawns, the day star arrives in our hearts. Jesus said in John chapter 12, says, I am I am come a light unto the world. Whoso believeth in me shall not abide in darkness. For a while, uh, this a couple months ago, when I arrived at work, for whatever reason, they were having some trouble with the, the lights in the parking lot. I know, it's very dangerous, especially for a government job. It, but, you know, you would have to drive carefully and getting out of your car going into the building, you'd have to walk carefully. And, you know, that's, you know, you're, you're okay, one must well, I'm not, gotta look both directions, gotta listen, make sure that there's no cars coming because it was very dark. And you couldn't see it. We had to walk in darkness because they didn't have the lights. But we have the light of the world that lights the world for us so that we don't have to walk in that darkness. Now that the lights are, are finally fixed, we're not so careful as we once were. We can walk a little more safely because we know that we can be seen and we can see others. And we don't have to worry about it. We, are, we need to take heed to the light until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Jesus is referred to as the day star. In Numbers chapter 24 it says, Says I shall see him, but now I behold him, not nigh, though there shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab, and destroy all the children of Shia. He is the star that has arisen out of Jacob. And later on in Revelation, at the end, in Revelation 22, the Bible tells us in verse 16, it says, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and offspring of David, the bright and morning star. He's the bright and morning star. It's by him that the day star that rises when we trust Christ, we, He is our Savior. That day star rises in our hearts. He goes on to 
saying, We have a most reward of prophecy. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy is a private interpretation. You know, there's no part of the scriptures that has some secret meaning that has some meaning that can't be known. That says, oh, you know, this this is knowledge is only for a select group of people. Part of why we say when their common reading of scripture makes sense, seek no other sense. Why? Because it's not of any private interpretation. And those who have sought to seek deeper interpretations and things that may not have readily been known and couldn't be easily understood have wound up finding themselves involved and developing heresy, developing things that aren't true. Why? Because they didn't take heed to even this verse. They came and decided they had that they needed to find something deeper. The Bible tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 30, it says, For this commandment I command you this day shall not be hid from thee, neither is it afar off. It is not in heaven that thou shalt say who should go up to heaven and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shalt say who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very nigh unto thee, in thy mouth and in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. The word of God wasn't hidden from them. It wasn't in heaven where they needed someone to go up there and bring it down. It wasn't across the sea where it was hard to get to. It was easy for them to get to. It was easy for us to have the word of God. And the Holy Spirit, as we're saying, the Comforter has come. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth when we're in his word. When we're studying his word, he will guide us, he'll lead us into all truth. But we need to take heed to it. It's not of any private interpretation. It's not something secret. The Bible tells us, again in Romans 10, verse 6, says, But the righteousness of faith speaketh in this wise, Say not in thy heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is, to bring Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh unto thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is, the word of faith, which we preach. It's the word of faith. I was speaking with one of my co-workers, and, and he was saying, well, you know, they, uh, in the Old Testament, you know, it was, it was all about works. And I said, well, no, it wasn't, because if it was all about works, then how was, how was Abraham saved? And I mentioned even this passage that he was saved in Romans. The Bible tells in Romans he was saved. Why? Because he believed God and God counted it for righteousness and imputed unto him for righteousness. And of course, you know, that had to had to rethink that, and there was some backpedaling going on there, because they said, well, wait a minute, yeah, you know, it was by faith that Abraham believed, because there was no law, it wasn't by 
the works of the law that people were saved. It was by faith. And it was the faith of God. Faith here that he tells us is very nigh. The word is nigh to me, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith. It's scriptures, they don't have a secret interpretation that, well, you know, only a select group of people can, can know this and you know, the word of God is open. It's for anyone to study. Now, we can all study the word of God and be led by his Holy Spirit. Only one spirit that guides us into all truth. Knowing this, that no prophecy is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in all time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. It wasn't the will of man that said, oh, you know, we need to, we need to come up with something. We need to do something to maybe inspire people to live good lives or have good morals. No, it wasn't going to come by the will of, God, will of man. But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness. It was given by the inspiration of God. It didn't come by man. It wasn't man's cleverness. To think that man could even develop something like the Bible, where in all 66 books, over 1,500 years and 40 different authors, there's not one contradiction. There's not one error. Just try to write just a couple pages and you'll be going, oh, maybe, and I got to change this because it doesn't line up. And you're trying to develop something, even just a couple pages, you're going, oh, man, I got to rewrite this, redo this. You're coming up with errors and problems. You got to come up with a new edition or something because, well, you know, the first edition just didn't get it right. Well, you know, they didn't have to do that. Certainly, if, even if those of us were to come up in here and there was something written on the board, and boy, we, we got a chance to see it for 20, 30 minutes and then it went away and we had to write what it was, we'd all have different opinions, different, write different parts of it. Oh, well, you know, maybe I remember this part, I remember that part. And there would be conflict. They wouldn't agree, and yet here we have the scriptures that agree. Certainly no man could come up with that. Not by, not even a group of men could come up with that. That could only have been done by God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Bible tells us also in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, it says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectively worketh also in you that believe. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 tells us that, that it was in truth the word of God. It wasn't something that they had developed, something that men had, had said, oh, you know, let's kind of conjure this together. 
to make people believe this or to cause people to, to do this. The scriptures itself really provide the greatest proof that it is from God. To think that any man would could write this and write all the faults of man and yet see God work through those faults and through those mistakes to see how it would bring about his glory and his good. Certainly, you think about Peter, you know, if this was developed by the apostles, I'm sure there would be several times where Peter would say, yeah, you know, I don't really think we need to include that. <laughs> you know, we don't need to include the when when Jesus turned to me and say, say, get say get the head of Satan and rebukes me as oh I'm Satan. Does that really need to be in there? <laughs> you think about the Psalms. David, you know, I know I'm messed up. Does that really need to be in there? <laughs> can, can we just bypass that if it was written by men, you would bypass these these errors. You wouldn't talk about all the all the bad things and the difficult things that they had to work through. Don't you know? I, talking with sometimes with, with missionaries, and I, I hear this. You know, they say, "Oh, you know, I can't write about my bad day in my my missionary report that I'm sending back." I don't want to tell them. You know, I'm struggling with with discouragement. I'm struggling. They can't write that. They don't. They don't want you to hear. You don't want to get a missionary that letter that says, well, you know, I'm here in, in this field, and I've been working on this and that, and but I'm really discouraged because of this and that, and I have a tough day with this. You, no one wants to, to hear about all the difficulties and the complaints and all the problems, and yet the Word of God helps to see that these people were just men, that they were only men, that, that they had problems that, you know, they didn't always get it right. That they had difficulties. It didn't come by the will of men. Because certainly men would have wanted to skip over those. But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. These men were moved by the Holy Ghost. They were, God spake to them, as you said, all scripture was given by inspiration of God. The Bible tells us several times that we hear and we read, and God spake, and God said. Thus saith the Lord. These holy men of God, they were moved by the Holy Ghost. God spoke to them, and they only recorded what God spoke. Over in Revelation chapter 1, one of my favorite things is to read is the title says, The Revelation of John. Revelation chapter 1. The Revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants these things, which surely must come to pass. These things, they came from God. They want man's design. They were the word of God coming directly from God. In Exodus 6, I said, we read, I would say, and God spake unto Moses. Of course, in Genesis chapter 8, 
and God spake unto Noah. In Genesis 31, and the angel the Lord spake unto me in a dream, saying, Jacob, he said, here am I. All through the scriptures we hear, and God spake. And God said, thus saith the Lord. This was the word of God. This is the word of God. It wasn't designed by men. It wasn't developed by people who wanted to trick and deceive. It was given to us by God. If it was developed by men, then it wouldn't be a problem not to take heed to it. It wouldn't be a problem to say, well, you know, that's just good information and not do anything about it. But because it is from God, because we're going to stand before him one day and he will be our judge, then it is wise and it would be good for us to take heed unto his word of God and not to be like that foolish man who built the house with no foundation. And boy, when the troubles come, when the storms arise and earthquakes strike, it crumbles, falls. But when we take heed to the word of God, we're not we see ourselves and we can change. We can confess to him. The Bible tells us if we confess our sins, it's faithful and just to forgive us from all unrighteousness. We take heed to the word of God when we change our lives so that it lines up with the word of God. Then we're not like that man who beholds himself in the glass and I don't want to see that turns away, keeps going. But we can be like the man who can hold himself, fix what needs to be done, do what needs to be taken care of. We can be, as the Bible would say, a wise man who builds the house on a solid foundation. 